Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Thank you so much for tuning in to America Can We Talk. Today I'll be talking about three stories. One, the message of the Democrats' subpoenas for Trump's financial records. Number two, Trump's leadership versus Pelosi's cover-up caper. And Kamala Harris plays a wild race card with Russia's help. And finally, I will tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. Hi again, and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. A lot of news in Washington out of now a second federal judge essentially ruling that the subpoenas issued by Congress to financial institutions seeking President Trump's personal family financial documents, uh, that those subpoenas must be honored, that those financial institutions must give Trump's personal financial information to uh, Congress. And I'm going to hit in a moment why that is so egregious. But it occurred to me as I was getting ready for today's show, it's really important sometimes to put the context or a larger picture around these kind of stories. What we are watching happen in Washington and is really the playing out of the conduct of the radical American left now in control of the Democrat Party. And what I want to talk about first is how they do things so we can begin to identify these tactics as they're played out over and over and over and over. There's a fabulous expression of French they reminded me of. It's called, they are the American left are narrative engineers. Isn't that great? narrative engineers. They decide the story they want America to think is a story and they engineer it like an engineer would create a new part or a new vehicle or a new invention. They invent and and mold and create narratives. In particular, a tactic that has been recently used over and over and over and again is being used right now by Joe Biden as he's running uh, for the Democrat presidential nomination He has been calling himself as he's been saying, I'm the unifier and Trump is a divider. And understanding the tactic behind that really matters. Since the moment Donald Trump won the Republican nomination and then won the presidency and then has served in the presidency, the American left in the form of the media that deplores President Trump, virtually every Democrat in Washington, many left-wing organizations in this country have agitated and agitated and agitated against everything he says, everything he does, everything he's done in his past, whatever his positions are, whatever his policies are. They have created anger and division among the people who listen to what these these uh, outlets say. The people who listen and actually believe CNN and MSNBC and New York Times and the Washington Post and the Democrat leadership of the House and the Senate. If people believe those, those spokespeople, then you end up thinking this is a deeply divided country. Look at this, look how much outrage there is. You have to get this clear. The left is creating the division They're creating the outrage, and then the left-wing media mob reports it as, oh my goodness, look at all the division in this country. They're reporting the outcome of their own conduct. 
They are reporting division they have created, and they want America to seem divided. It's one of their arguments against President Trump. Because to be clear, Trump supporters, Trump has the highest support among Republican voters in as as any president had as president of their own party has had in recent history. It's like 90% of Republican voters approve of the job President Trump is doing. When the left talks about division, what they really mean is they don't like President Trump. And because they don't like him, they won't acknowledge that his own voters agree with him, agree with his policies, agree with how he's handling the challenges America faces. Another kind of foundational idea to recognize about the American left, what their mission is. Their mission is always to engineer narratives. It is also and always to grow their power. It is always to accumulate more power in Washington, more control over the individual, more control over the economy, more control over each individual person right, person's right to work, to achieve, to save, to dream, to earn money, to become successful. The American left lives to gain and have power over the American people. It is their primary mission, not the mission to respect the individual's rights to the freedoms spelled out in the Constitution, not to respect the Bill of Rights, not to respect the ideas spelled out in the Declaration of Independence, right of each individual to live in freedom, to pursue his life, liberty, and their, his version of happiness. This is not the mission of the American left. It is always and only the accumulation of more power and control over the American people. You have to have these mindsets straight and understand them before you can correctly understand every everything the left is up to. The last point I want to make about the overarching way in which the, the left's moves, statements, and conduct must be understood is this. Left-wing policies don't work. The American left has figured out and the American people have figured out that left-wing policies don't work. Big government policies have impoverished the poor in this country. Big government policies and massive government assistance programs have destroyed the American nuclear family, have destroyed inner city America, have destroyed the childhood and the lives of millions of children who live in single parent households because the American government created programs that destroyed the nuclear unit, the nuclear family. And the Democrat Party realizes this. They realize they cannot sell their policies. They can't tell you what they really believe. Because if they do, you wouldn't vote for them. So they lie. Or to summarize a point I'll be making over and over and over, you have been lied to by the American left. You have been lied to over and over and over about what they really believe in, what they will do when they get power, and what their policies will do to the American people. And because their policies don't work, they have to sell you narratives. They sell you lies. They sell slogan slinging. They spend their time labeling everyone who won't agree with whatever the policies that they want, that those people must be viewed as racist, xenophobic, hateful, homophobic, some kind of phobic. Because instead of intelligent exchange of ideas, instead of going back and forth discussing policies, discussing ideas, the American left can't win that argument and they know that. So they try to win the argument by duping and lying to the American people about policies, about ideas, about where we are in this country and, and at this moment especially about President Trump. They can't have Americans 
they can't have their own voters. The left cannot have their own voters recognizing how well America is flowing under the conservative ideas that Donald Trump has put in place in Washington. This is the this is the the big picture paradigm through which you have to see what the left does. Now we'll turn to talking about the uh, subpoenas from the House uh, committees, the, the various committees in Washington uh, in Congress of President Trump's financial records. The short story is. Because the American left told America, told their own voters, ever before President Trump even won the presidency, that there was something going on, Russia-Trump collusion, something's bad here, bad, 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 bad. And they staked everything on that. They told the American people, don't worry, his victory is illegitimate, he's not really president, he doesn't deserve to be president, he didn't win, there was outside interference, there was Russia-Trump collusion, somehow he stole this election. And after all the money America spent on the Mueller investigation, after all that money, all that time, all of that vitriol strewn across headlines around America every day since President Trump became president, the Mueller report came out and the left was proven to have lied or at the, to be kind, to have been completely duped and misinformed. The left sold the argument to the American people that Trump really didn't win and therefore he's not legitimate and America found out the left was wrong. So now the Democrats in Washington are in panic mode because they thought they could get rid of President Trump once the Mueller report came out that they could get rid of this guy who dared to win an election that they thought was guaranteed for Hillary Clinton to win. And so they are turning to various tactics, trying to still attack President Trump. They are spending zero time, Democrats in Washington, zero time on addressing all these issues they claim, well, we can find bipartisan solutions. We could work on infrastructure, which we're going to get to in a moment. We could work on all sorts of things. They don't want to work on anything. They want to find a reason to destroy President Trump. It is their reason for living. It is their reason for getting up every day. Destroy President Trump somehow. So the left started in this subpoenaing of President Trump's financial records. And there is a, there is a federal law that permits congressional committees, uh, limited committees, to seek the president's tax information, which that is an ongoing battle, and to seek other information pertaining to as long as they have a legitimate legislative purpose. And that is the argument right now. The American left, the Democrats in Washington are claiming they need all these documents related to President Trump's financial records and financial past and his children and his grandchildren. I mean, massive documentation about his finances and they are seeking it because they say they have a legitimate legislative purpose to continue to try to figure out if there was foreign influence in the in the 2016 elections. Now, it's a it's I mean, it is a kindergartner could see through. This is a ruse. This is a, another hoax. This is an effort anything they can do to get President Trump this effort to get his tax records, his financial records it's not about legitimate legislative purpose of any kind. It is about getting information which you know as sure as I'm sitting here talking to you, that information will be leaked to the public. It'll be in the Washington Post or New York Times or one of the other Democrat media mob news sources and it will be out there and at the very least it will allow the Democrats to just get hysterical about the idea that President Trump is so wealthy and 
look at all the money he has and look at this transaction and why did he spend money on this and then I'll give them a thousand other reasons for further investigation well look at this he he spent money in this country wonder if that country possibly interfered I don't know you better it will give them fodder from now till the election of 2020 to keep digging for something something they can argue to the American people justifies President Trump's impeachment. That is what they are doing. That is what this is all about. And as so we've had two federal judges agree that as the law is written, or I should say, two federal district court judges, both appointed, both Democrat, both appointed by President Obama, who have agreed that the way the federal law is written, that Congress has the right to subpoena President Trump's financial information from these, from a numerous financial uh, institutions. Uh, apparently, two of those institutions have already turned over the information to Congress. I'm telling you, by the time we're back together next week on Monday, that information will be somehow leaked. It's already been turned over to Congress. Um, there was actually, I was going to tell you which ones had, had turned the information over already. Uh, Wells Fargo um, and another bank I hadn't heard of, TD Bank, turned over his financial records to the House Financial Services Committee. Uh, Fox News confirmed that today. Other institutions are also apparently going to do that. The Trump administration talking about maybe appealing that, and maybe they will, uh, but at this point, it, a big part of the, of the, as they say, the cat's out of the bag. I wanted to mention one other thing, just as proof of my point, that the Democrats have no interest in all the things they claim they have interest in. You may recall, we talked about, I don't know, like two weeks ago or so, um, about the fact that the um, president or the administration had made an emergency request of Congress to please fund more money, please put more money toward the border, but in specifics, not for the wall not for the wall, just money to help buttress up the border patrol and enable them to provide proper care for the migrant children crossing the border, proper housing, proper care. It was all related to, hum or much of it was related to humanitarian assistance, and it was related to just simply securing the border. It, this wasn't about the fuss about the wall. It's just about just about the idea of making sure we adequately can care for people crossing the border. So brilliant piece out on Fox today, and you can find it on our website, americacanwetalk.org, homepage, under shows, go down, list of links, you'll find it there. Representatives Roy, Chip Roy, actually who's a good friend of mine, Texas Congressman, uh, Jim Jordan, and uh, another guy, Andy Biggs, wrote this article essentially saying, the Democrats are so driven to destroy President Trump that they can't even respond to a request to for emergency funding and it includes emergency funding uh, for the unaccompanied alien children program. These children the Democrats care about so much, they've been whining and moaning about how Trump doesn't care, look what's happening at the border. They won't fund that program, which is due to run out of money. So my friends, as I close out the first five, let me tell you again, it's important more important than these financial documents, which will clearly be leaked to the press because that's what Democrats do, but more than that, you need to start to recognize that between now and the election of 2020, everything the Democrats do, everything this radical left-wing element that has taken over the Democrat Party, that is the Democrat Party in Washington, everything they do can be understood through the lenses I told you at the start of this first five. They live to create power, to acquire power, they are narrative engineers. Everything that happens will be engineered by them into a narrative that is false. They are creating division intentionally.
because division helps them. It stirs up their base to think that somehow President Trump has caused the division when they're the ones causing a division by acting outraged over everything President Trump does. And that, my friends, is my first five for today. So I want to turn today uh, and talk our next topic for the day. I want to talk about the thing that happened in Washington. A lot of you are probably watching it, but um, President Trump had a meeting set with the um, people, with the House leadership, to talk about the infrastructure um, bill. And to be clear, infrastructure is one issue. You know, it's like improving our I was talking about the bridges and roads. I mean, there's been bipartisan concurrence that there is need for some improvement in infrastructure. And this is one that everyone points to. says, well, at least they ought to be able to work on that. It's kind of bipartisan. It's, you know, it's, it's really pretty, um, you know, everyone knows we need this. It doesn't have, have to have Republican, Democrat labels. It's just, you know, fixing America. So Trump is going to have a meeting over there uh, with Pelosi and other, with Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, and other leading uh, Democrats in the U.S. House. So just prior to that, um, the, Nancy Pelosi uh, took to the microphones and she was talking um, about how she sees President Trump. And this is a this is a clip um, that Nancy Pelosi. This is uh, the first clip my extremely wonderful producer Matt is going to bring up for us. But uh, Nancy Pelosi, here's what she had to say just prior to the time that Trump is supposed to go have a meeting with her. Would you believe that it's important for the, to follow the facts? Uh, we believe that no one is above the law, including the President of the United States, and we believe that the President of the United States is engaged in a cover-up, in a cover-up. Okay. I want to make an analogy to you about where, how President Trump received this. Do you remember a few weeks ago we were talking about the situation between the Palestinians and the Jews in Israel? And there's a fa famous and fabulous uh, comic or cartoon uh, comic that was at the time when John Kerry was Secretary of State. It was brilliant then, it's brilliant now. Has John Kerry sitting in the middle between the Palestinian representative who's holding up a sign saying, kill all Jews, and then Netanyahu representing Israel on the other side of the table. And John Kerry is, oh, there you go. Matt is so wonderful. I love my producer, Matt Stoker, a great guy. This is the cartoon right there. So you see Netanyahu sitting here as a Palestinian guy is saying, death to all Jews. And John Kerry saying, could you at least meet him halfway? And this is my point. There is no negotiation with the Democrats in Washington in this era in the same way there's no reasonable negotiation between Benjamin Netanyahu and the Israelis and the faction of the Palestinians, which is pretty much all the leadership of the Palestinians, saying death to all Jews. Israel must be destroyed. You can't negotiate with that. You can't negotiate with someone who says, yes, I want to kill you. Say, well, I can meet you halfway. Can you just like, you know, seriously injure me but not kill me? What Nancy Pelosi did was a stunt. She is out there talking about, you know, Trump is all about a cover. And to be clear, when she's saying cover up, she's complaining about Trump's objection to having all of his financial records for which the House has no need or interest except to torture and embarrass him. And everyone knows that. But she's talking about Trump defending himself and saying, why do you get all my financial records? And for that matter, why do you get all my taxes? Just because you want them. There's no you know, predicate, to use a legal word. There's no basis for your request, except you want to destroy me. And Trump sees this. And so Pelosi's complaining about the cover-up. Uh, 
what she's talking about in the cover-up thing. She's saying, you know, number one, he keeps fighting me about these financial records. And number two, there is an ongoing battle about how much more Congress is going to do to essentially relitigate the entire Mueller investigation. Everyone agreed that Mueller had pretty much free reign. Mueller investigated, I mean, the numbers are in my closing slides today. I think they're about what, and Trump is, I'm going to play a clip in a moment that Trump had to say. But the Mueller investigation had hundreds of depositions, hundreds of subpoenas. They, they just, they investigate everyone who'd ever had any connection in any way with the Trump campaign or Trump administration. And when Congress discovered that the Mueller report basically said, no collusion, no Russia-Trump collusion, no basis for an obstruction charge, the Democrats can't stand it. Because I go back to my earlier point, the Democrat policies always fail. They can't be up there in Washington telling you what their policies really are. So what they're doing instead is telling you how much they hate Trump, how much they want Trump to be somehow uh, defeated and removed and impeached and embarrassed and weakened. And so they'll do anything to get there. So they want to, in many ways, relitigate the Mueller investigation. They want to bring up, in particular, the battle right now is about the attorney, last name again, you know, Trump's attorney, who already testified, who already answered questions for Robert Mueller for 30 hours. I mean, I used to, I'm a lawyer. I used to take depositions. I'm telling you, one eight-hour deposition with a lunch break is an exhausting day. It's a long day for the witness. It's a long day for the lawyers. He gave 30 hours of testimony to Mueller. He's already told them, yeah, as a matter of fact, you know, President Trump contemplated terminating Bob Mueller. And, you know, he, again, the attorney, told the president, I don't think that's a very good idea. Now, Trump could legally have terminated Mueller. I mean, he's got the right to do that, but you know, then you raise all the specter, well, should that be considered obstruction? The point is, the Democrats already know what McGahn's gonna say. They just want to relitigate the Mueller case by dragging McGahn up to Congress, have him answer questions, and then whatever little clips they can, snips they can take from his testimony and sling it out on Twitter and sling it out in the evening news. And, uh, and of course, Washington Post, New York Times, all of the compliant left-wing media will go along and just replay again, tell America again, but look what McGahn said. Trump did want to fire Mueller. Gee, I wonder if we, Congress, can consider that obstruction because Trump thought about firing Bob Mueller. I mean, folks, this is the Democrats rehearsing, regurgitating the whole Mueller thing because they can't accept the fact that there was no Trump-Russia collusion and that after an exhaustive, lengthy, expensive, just brutal and grueling investigation by the Mueller team, there was no collusion found. But the Democrats have nowhere to go once they concede that. They can't work with President Trump. They can't give him an inch. They can't give him a penny. They can't give him anything that might get him a good headline. And now the Democrats control the U.S. House. There'll be virtually no legislative progress on anything. I mean, you might get some things like, you know, again, we're going to fund the FAA or some of you got to fund, but you're not going to get movement forward on any issue because even if the Democrats in their heart of hearts agree with something Trump wanted, they couldn't give it to him. They want more than life itself to destroy President Trump. Now I want to play how Trump reacts. So what happened, by the way, before we get to Trump and get him up next, but so Trump shows up and he, he's going there as he, you know, Pelosi just had a news conference accusing him of a cover up, which is beyond absurd and trump decided you know what 
I'm going to man up. I'm not going to humor these people. Unlike so many Republican leaders in Washington who get and who have for decades. I mean, there's been nothing like the vitriol against Trump, against any past president. I mean, the, the left has always, you know, fought the conservatives and Republicans fight back and all that. But this is a league of its own. The way the Democrats have conducted themselves from the moment that President Trump, Trump won the presidency in a league of its own. And so Trump has, you know, tried working with them, tried not working with them, doing executive orders. He agreed to meet. And right before they're supposed to have this meeting infrastructure, Pelosi comes out with her. Trump is covering something up. And so here was Trump's news conference this morning, yesterday morning. So I came here to do a meeting on infrastructure with Democrats, not really thinking they wanted to do infrastructure or anything else other than investigate. And I just saw that Nancy Pelosi, just before our meeting, made a statement that we believe that the President of the United States is engaged in a cover-up. Well, it turns out I'm the most — and I think most of you would agree to this — I'm the most transparent President, probably, in the history of this country. Uh, we have given, on a witch hunt, on a hoax — the whole thing with Russia was a hoax as it relates to the Trump administration and myself. It was a total horrible thing that happened to our country. It hurt us in so many ways. Despite that, we're setting records with the economy, with jobs, with the most, most people employed today that we've ever had in the history of our country. We have the best unemployment numbers that we've had in the history of our country, in some cases 51 years, but generally in the history of our country. Companies are moving back in. Things are going well. And I said, let's have the meeting on infrastructure. We'll get that done easily. That's one of the easy ones. And instead of walking in happily into a meeting, I walk in to look at people that had just said that I was doing a cover-up. I don't do cover-ups. You people know that probably better than anybody. And I was just looking at a list of some of the things that we just did more than 2,500 subpoenas qualified for. And I let everybody talk. I let the White House counsel speak for 30 hours. 30 hours. I have 19 special counsel lawyers, 40 FBI agents. I said, open it all up. Let them have whatever they want. Nearly 500 search warrants. Think of that, a search warrant. Did you ever see a search warrant before? Neither did I. This was over 500 search warrants. And of the 19 people that were heading up this investigation, or whatever you want to call it, with Bob Mueller, they were contributors to the Democrat Party, most of them, and to Hillary Clinton. They hated President Trump. They hated him with a passion. And you know, this is where I want to tell you folks, this kind of statement by Donald Trump, this is why his supporters love him, because he doesn't just surrender. He doesn't act weak-kneed. He doesn't show up and let people who've just accused him on national television of a cover-up under the most absurd allegations they could make. He doesn't just show up and say, okay, I know you just said basically you hate me and you want to kill me, but, you know, let's talk infrastructure. He doesn't let them get away with it. I think they were flabbergasted that he just said, you know what, we don't have to have this meeting. Now, it doesn't mean he can't work on infrastructure. He can send over an assistant. He can send over somebody to work with their, the staffs or the various committees that are relevant to the infrastructure bills. But 
He doesn't have to humor them. And we've had too much in the past. This is among the many reasons President Trump won, because so much of the Republican electorate was tired of seeing Republicans in Washington perpetually capitulating to all the shenanigans that Democrats always pull. He, President Trump, is not putting up with it. I want to tie a few things Nancy Pelosi said afterwards that really tell you where we, and I, I don't like to say, be telling you that our country so, is in such a um, divided state in Washington. I don't like that. But I think for the first time, you have a president actually willing to stand up to, a, to Congress at a time when the Democrat Party has gone so far radically left. So far, this is a cabal of socialism, the cabal of left-wing power-grabbing people who run the Democrat Party now. Now, if, it, if ever in our history, we need strong people on the right saying, we're not going to play your game, Nancy Pelosi. Okay, I want to tell you three things she said after that, which if you, this is just, just to understand that the table is being set for this discussion going forward. Number one, Pelosi, they had a meeting on the Democrats uh, in the same, this is yesterday morning, had a meeting yesterday morning on the Democrats in Washington, and Pelosi was essentially trying to talk to them because there's been much agitation among the truly insane uh, segment of the Democrat Party since even before President Trump was sworn in that he would be impeached. There's been endless discussion of impeachment. Got to impeach this guy. He's really terrible. We'll find some reason. Got to impeach him. So Nancy Pelosi has been trying to tamp that down, say, you know, actually, folks, uh, in fact, she said a few weeks ago, we, don't, we shouldn't be talking impeachment because, you know, it, it doesn't do us any good. She's smart enough to see, even though she hates Trump, would like to get rid of him, she knows it will hurt her party in the 2020 presidential elections. She recognizes that. She has enough political history and savvy to see that. But she's got a lot of the people, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez being among the central and others, Maxine Waters, pushing for the Democrats in the House, not they have a majority, to begin impeachment proceedings. So Nancy Pelosi talking to the Democrats referred to President Trump, Trump as villainous, as a villain. As villainous was her word. Because he's and what she's really outraged about, outraged about, is that he dares to keep doing his agenda. He dares to keep pushing the agenda on which he was elected. He keep, he's willing to keep fighting when the left is telling him, no, we're trying to trip you up. You have to stop. You can't, you can't do your agenda. We don't care what the people want. The American people want. We, the Democrats, we tell you what you can do. And Trump does not listen to them. This is why they're so outraged by him. So she called him villainous, which is, you know, uh, you could say those are fighting words. Pelosi also said the Trump family needs to stage an intervention. She actually said the Trump family should stage an intervention uh, at, for President Trump because he shouldn't be doing these things, blah, blah, blah. To finish with the point I want to make, which is this. The Democrats in Washington right now are painted into a corner. They're painted into a corner. They argued that they cared about border security, but Trump's policies and his actions have helped most of America to figure out the Democrats don't want border security. They don't even want to fund the program for unaccompanied children. They don't want to fund even the humanitarian aid President Trump is saying is sorely needed. They won't fund the wall. American people, the American people have figured out that Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats do not want border security because the failure of border security, the flooding of our border by legal immigrants is simply a Democrat Party voter-based enhancement mission. That's all it is. It's a Democrat Party voter-based enhancement mission. That's why they are so uninterested in border security. 
And so we have, so Democrats, you know, they have been exposed by Trump on the border stuff. They have talked about how Trump is going to be impeached or how the Mueller thing is going to prove that there was collusion and there was no collusion there. In fact, really want to get my closing point in this segment is this. What really prompted the whole Mueller investigation, all that was the effort inside the FBI to cover up for Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton's conduct truly was the problem that the Democrats faced. They wanted her to win the presidential election, her conduct in setting up the illegal server uh, in her home that endangered that every single national security secret our country has was endangered by Hillary Clinton cavalierly and knowingly when she set up her home-brewed secure, home-brewed unsecured server. And Hillary Clinton did that knowing full well that it was not permissible, that she was supposed to, as Secretary of State, have her server and her email account protected by the Department of State. But she wouldn't do it. She was above the law. She was above the law. They also know she and her campaign were the one that began paying for what eventually became called the Russian dossier, that she, if anyone, was cooked up, cooking up the election with the, with the um, Russians, um, and that now that's been exposed. The whole Russian dossier was just a Hillary Clinton hit job. So the Democrats, they cannot figure out where to go, and so they just default to their, we're going to destroy President Trump somehow, we're going to destroy him. Don't just just let us figure out how. They're on the next witch hunt toward his financial records, his tax records, and as I say, those will be released before we know it. And and, and all the stories we're talking about today really matter because we're looking at a, it is a you know people say gridlock and they say it's like a bad thing, and it is not a good thing. You'd like to have the two parties working together in Washington, but when one party, President Trump is proposing ideas, solutions, policies that are what the American people want, what he ran on, and he can't move any of them through the Congress, especially now the Democrats have the majority in the House, he will not move any of them through the Congress, and they know that. They know they can hold him up. So this gridlock, everyone wrings their hands over, we better realize this gridlock problem is going to continue until we get to 2020 and we get back a majority in Congress who will work with the president. Frankly, of both parties, a majority in the House and the Senate for the Republicans, I mean both houses, you need the House, the Republicans as a majority in the Senate, Republicans majority in the House, who will work with the president to do the agenda that the American people want. But until then, gridlock is like the nicest way to describe what's happening in Washington. What you're really watching is what I talked about at the beginning of the show. You're watching the Democrat mission to do anything in their power to destroy the president, to weaken him, to embarrass him, to trip him up. This is beneath contempt on their part. And the last story today, I the most amazing thing uh, story I came across. This kind of relate, well, it relates to several different stories. I call it Kamala Harris plays the wild race card uh, and Russia helps. But I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. I think this is truly, truly astonishing. I'm going to start with something before I get to Kamala Harris. You know, she's a, she's a Democrat presidential candidate. She's an African American uh, U.S. senator from California, former prosecutor. You know, she's very well spoken. She's very and, and any lawyer, you're careful with your word choice. She's been in court. She understands about being careful with her word choice, which is going to be relevant here in a moment. I want to first start telling you though about some a story that didn't get very much attention, but there were documents. You know, back to the 2016 elections and Russian interference. What Mueller did find 
in fact, did bring indictments over, was the fact that Russians had attempted to influence the American election. The Russians had used people trying to agitate through social media and other sources, try to agitate in this country to interfere with the election. President Trump, candidate Trump, had nothing to do with that, but the Russians did. And this is one of the groups of people that Bob Mueller actually did indict. These are Russian citizens um, who are obviously not going to come back here and face trial, but they did do it. They tried to interfere in the U.S. election. As a small aside, Everyone always fails to point out that this is historically true. It's not like it just suddenly happened for the first time in 2016. This is, you know, welcome to the grown-up world um, and the, the uses of other countries, of their efforts to influence other countries' elections. In fact, President Obama sent his own people over to Israel uh, prior to the uh, election of Benjamin Netanyahu trying to work against Netanyahu, who's a conservative, so therefore who Obama did not like. So kind of okay with the Democrats. And this is not a secret. This is not speculation. This is widely reported, not denied by anybody. Obama sent people over to Israel to interfere with their elections. But this Russian interference in our elections resulted in something I hadn't uh, read much about until recently. I wanted to share this with you. So uh, this new evidence suggests that Russia, in their efforts, these were uh, communications between the associates of, and the guy's name is, um, one of these great Russian names, uh, Yegjani Prigozhin. Yeah, Yevgeny Prozogan. He's a Kremlin-linked oligarch. He was one of the ones indicted by Robert Mueller for the influence operations against the U.S. Documents recently discovered point out that one thing this Russian operative was trying to do was manipulate and radicalize African Americans. Plans show they sought to exploit racial tension in America and use that racial tension to influence our elections. Among the things they talked about was having the a suggestion to recruit African Americans, this is the Russians, recruit African Americans and transport them to camps in Africa to give them combat prep and training and sabotage. So the Russians, they were, you know, they were heavily, at least this one guy, heavily into the idea, how can we exploit racial tensions in America? The ultimate idea, that particular idea, was take these people over to Africa, train them in sabotage and combat, send them back, and have them start some kind of insurrection, and maybe have a portion of America that could be black majority break off from the country. I mean, these people, the Russians are our enemies. They are evil. They do want to exploit America and destroy America. Trump had nothing to do with that, but that was a Russian thing. Now I want to tell one other story about Trinity College, and then I'm going to turn to what Kamala Harris did in her presidential campaign. Trinity College, and there are actually numerous Trinity Colleges, so I'll just mention this is the one in Connecticut. So Trinity College has a professor named uh, Johnny Eric Williams, Professor Williams. He's a professor of sociology, and he's, uh, he's the author of a book, African American Religion and the and the civil rights movement in Arkansas and decoding racial ideology. This is a, it's a, a an African-American professor, has his tenure, he's at Trinity University in Connecticut. He tweets out the most radical, ugly, racist things. One recent tweet saying, whiteness is terrorism. Whiteness, the condition of having been born with white skin, is terrorism. He's had other very ugly racist tweets. One, he called all white people inhuman a-holes. This is a tenured professor 
at Trinity College in Connecticut. All white people are inhuman a-holes. Um, he also talked about the, um, the and uh, let me, actually, he, he attacked um, Barack Obama and, and Michelle Obama for being too white. But I don't know what that was all about. But anyway, what I want to get at is this. This is a kind of language that there should be outrage expressed by people who actually want racial harmony. There should be everyone, both sides of the aisle, all sides of politics, every racial and ethnic background. There should be outrage when this guy is saying whiteness is terrorism. Instead, what the university president, Trinity College president, Joanne Berger Sweeney, told Campus Reform, the educational of the watchdog group, told Campus Reform on Monday, when speech proves controversial, our responsibility as educators is to promote more debate and discussion, not less. Twitter is a challenging place for thoughtful discourse, which is clear from this example. Now, I tried to go get this guy's tweet because I wanted to show it to you, and he has switched his settings in Twitter to private, like you have to be following him to see him. But I'm going to tell you, one other thing he tweeted that was reported in the Hartford Current newspaper, all self-identified white people, no exceptions, are invested in and collude with systemic white racism slash white supremacy. In this guy's worldview, to be white is to be racist. To be white is to be a terrorist. And this guy, my friends, is teaching college students. He is teaching college students how to think. He's teaching college students what to think about America. Last point on this, but I finally run to my Kamala Harris. So Kamala Harris, you know, she's she's doing terribly. I mean, of the 23, I think it is, Democrats now in the presidential race for 2020, she's way down. She's doing terribly. So she's getting more dramatic, trying to get her, you know, to catch fire, to get people to pay attention to her. So my wonderful um, producer, Matt, is going to put up her tweet in a moment. Kamala Harris tweeted out this tweet, when black women walk into a clinic or doctor's office or a hospital, they are not taken as seriously as other women simply because they are black. This due to racial bias. And my maternal care act will address this problem. Kamala Harris is inciting people around this country to think that racism exists in every doctor's office, every clinic, every hospital, that black women are routinely treated as second-class citizens. She got such blowback about this tweet. I mean, she took it down, but fortunately, you know, in Twitter world, nothing is ever gone, it's always gonna be there. She took it down, but not before countless health professionals said, are you out of your mind? We always treat every person the same. We always apply the same standards. We always care for all people in the same way. We would never express racial preference. This is, and, and she got so many of those, she got embarrassed by it, realized it was a misfire, and took it down. I'm glad she took it down, and I'm glad it's still available to be seen. Because what I really want to say about that is this. It's bad enough when the Russians try to sow racial tension in America. They are our enemy. They do want to destroy America. It's far worse when 
Trinity College tries to create racial tension in America. When they pay a professor who says to have a certain color skin constitutes racism, constitutes white racism, constitutes white superiority, constitutes terrorism, you're a terrorist because you're white. And the school can't even condemn him. I just want you to think what would have been done by any school if the opposite kind of thing had occurred. If a white professor, I mean, white students, white professors, white administrators can barely speak on college campuses today without being accused of some form of racism. And it is, and, and, and you just need to, I really, I'm very serious in saying, just think about, just think about what's in Kamala Harris's head when she would accuse the thousands or hundreds of thousands of doctor's offices, clinics, hospitals all over America, all being racist, all mistreating patients who walk in because of their skin color. It's an outrageous, ugly, vicious thing to say. And she is, she is saying it because she needs a little energy in her campaign. But a deeper point is she's saying it because she's part of the party that works to foment racial tension in America. She, they work to create division in America. They benefit politically from racial division in America. Everyone, everyone of every race, ethnicity, national origin, skin color, you know, political background ought to be denouncing the daylights out of this unspoken and yet very obvious mission of the American left to foment and increase racial division in this country. America deserves so much better than the way the Democrats treat this country. And now, turning to my part of the show I always love to do, we'll turn today to why all the stories we talked about matter to you. Subpoenaing Trump's tax returns and the financial records from the, uh, the uh, institutions he uses. Get clear on this. An entire American political party, the Democrat Party, has no agenda. They have none except hate Trump, encourage others to do so, weaken Trump, dig for and cook up anything to justify impeaching Trump. Second, subpoenaing his tax returns, all that. This is that kind of thing they used to talk about in Stalin's Russia where they said the Berian influence, that the guy Beria who worked for Stalin who said, show me the man, I'll find you the crime. What the Democrats are now doing is Stalinism. This idea, give us every single bit of his financial documents, every tax document he's ever filed. We'll find something to destroy him. These are police state tactics. They have no place in America. This is wildly un-American. Only rejection at the ballot box will stop the left's get Trump madness. Next thing, contrasting how Trump and Pelosi behaved, Trump is leading on the things he ran on. Trade deficits, border security, immigration, health care, drug pricing, prison reform, defense buildup, jobs for America. Trump is doing the agenda. He's doing the job he should be doing with Congress, but they won't do it. And Pelosi's agenda is a very short one. Claim a cover-up. This is a cover-up after a two-year, 500 subpoena, 40 FBI agents, $35 million Mueller investigation, and still some, somehow Trump is covering up. And block Trump's agenda. We need to be out of patience with Pelosi and the Democrats. And last for today, Kamala Harris and race relations and why this really does matter to you. It's one thing for the Russians to desire to foment racial division and tension in America. They admit they want to hurt America. They want to break America apart. They want to destroy our culture, our fabric, our strength. Kamala Harris 
is fomenting division by attacking the entire healthcare industry. She didn't take the tweet down, by the way, because she realized it was wrong. She took it down because she got criticized and embarrassed. Last thing, an American college, an American college that's getting your or their students' parents' payment in, t- in tuition is defending a professor who says whiteness is terrorism. America's enemy is one thing when they sow racial division in America. American presidential candidates and colleges should not. America is better than this. And I have a last thing in this, why it matters to you. I get a lot of emails from our listeners. I love them. My email address is americacanwetalk at gmail.com. I get a lot of comments on Twitter, a lot, a lot of, on, on, on Facebook, a lot of comments on YouTube. I can't reply to them all, but I do enjoy reading them, and I try to respond to some of them. If you like the messages you hear, the truth you hear, the arguments, the substance I provide you every week, I'd urge you consider supporting America Can We Talk. I have never been paid a penny for all that I do in this podcasting life. I've done radio for four and a half years and doing podcasting now. I would love your support. If you're interested in supporting me in America Can We Talk, you can go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, hit the donate button on the homepage. You can donate a one-time donation, a small monthly donation, anything would help because I really am looking to you, my listeners, to help keep the show rolling because I am my show and I think you know if you listen regularly, the show is all about preserving America, the most precious, extraordinary experiment in human liberty that is deeply under siege in the world today. Talk to you Monday. America, can we talk truth about America? Can you hear-